0: Where John has sent some messengers to find out from Jesus if, if Jesus if he's really the one or not, Jesus makes some complimentary comments about John. Um, he wasn't just a uh, read shaken in the wind or a man, wind or a man of luxury. And he was a uh, more than a prophet, he was the messenger of the Lord. And yet, the one who's least in the kingdom is greater than him. And uh, let's go ahead and read 29 and 30.
1: And when all the people in the tax gatherers heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John.
0: Okay, so you have two groups. One group was baptized with John's baptism. The other one refused to be baptized by John's baptism. And the group that did were the people and the tax collectors, probably not the ones you would expect to respond best, but they actually uh, rendered a verdict of approval, basically, on God's plan of salvation. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, the ones who were most concerned about actually understanding and interpreting God's will, they were the ones who missed it and rejected God's purpose for themselves. You know, the grace of God is not irresistible, they they refused it and were not baptized by John. It's interesting that the baptism of John was kind of like the litmus test to whether or not people acknowledged God's justice or whether or not they rejected God's purpose. That's how significant John's baptism was, and and it was just almost the opposite of what you'd expect as far as who received it and who didn't. Thoughts and comments.
1: What made the Pharisees reject? John. Like, we see more details about why they rejected Jesus and everything, but, like, they were rejecting even as far back as John.
0: Yeah, you know, <clears throat> John wasn't very nice to some of them. You know, he'd tell them, uh, you brood of vipers who warn you to flee from the wrath to come, and things like that. So he would be very outspoken in exposing their sins. I expect that didn't, you know, win him many uh, mm-hmm. friends among them. Um, and, you know, the very idea that he required people to be baptized, you know, like, the Pharisees and, and scribes were self-righteous. They didn't think they needed, you know, baptism and mm-hmm. things like that. So I imagine that was something. At some point in time, there was proselyte baptism. We're not sure if it extended all the way back to the time of John. If it did, it's like John's taking what they were applying to Gentiles, wanting to become Jews, and telling Jews they had to go through that too. Which is kind of almost putting them in the category of pagan. So if that extended back that far, that might be another reason.
2: Mm-hmm. And weren't the Pharisees, like, really hung up on ritual cleansing mm-hmm. and being clean? So for them to be told, hey, you need to go be cleaned again, in one sense, it might also have been kind of like, really? I yeah. just took a bath, and then I washed my hands again, Then yeah. You know,
0: or yeah, and all that made them feel self-righteous, justified, and whatever. Yeah. Anything else? 31 to 35.
2: To what then shall I compare the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another, and uh-huh. they say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children.
0: So the parable of the brats. (laughs) And uh, he talks about this generation is like these children. And what were these children like? Breaths. Because? Can't please them. Yeah. And if you stop and think about the comparison, there's a lot of points of comparison between these kids and this generation. For one thing, they were demanding. You know, one group wants to choose what they're going to play, control the game, and the other refuses to join in any game that gets chosen. You know, they won't get, they won't play the game unless they can make the rules, unless they decide what they're gonna play. And that's kind of the way they were with God's messengers. They wanted God's messengers to suit them, fit their demands. And John, he was, you know, too non-social, and Jesus was too social. And so they were, they were demanding, they were dissatisfied. It's like nothing God ever did suited them. They were always criticizing and sulking. Okay. They wanted their own way and they'd act ugly if they didn't get it. And, I mean, think about it. If you reject John, because, well, you know, like, he's just, he won't socialize. You reject Jesus because he socializes. What does that tell you? You can't please him. You can't please him, and why not? They're inconsistent. They're inconsistent. But they're consistent in one thing, they reject anything God sends them, and why would they do that? Is it really because John's so not social and Jesus is so social? Is that the real problem? It's
2: probably the message.
0: That's what I'm guessing.
2: You have to change, you can't be the way you are.
0: Yes, that's what I think. They didn't like the messenger's message. They tried to cover it up by by saying they just didn't like the, you know, style of the messenger. You know, I, that that's what it looks to me like. They, they refuse to be re- persuaded no matter what the evidence is. You know, they reject John because of the way he is, and they reject Jesus because he's not that way. You know, John's too holy. Jesus isn't holy enough. And really, I mean, when you don't want to believe, what will you do? you'll find a reason to justify it. It'll be something, whatever it is. You know, well, he didn't speak to me right, he didn't do I don't know. And it's a bunch of babyish rejection because I just don't like what it says. And I'll tell you another thing that, that I think this generation is like these children, and kind of being frivolous. They're treating these serious matters of God's message kind of like it was a game. And uh, a lot of Christians that are about like these children you know, playing in the market or whatever. Uh, They aren't serious about their Christian life. So, I mean, think about how Jesus dealt with this. So you've got these, this generation that, yeah, we don't like that, no, we don't like this. You know, they're really uh, peevish and and unwilling to to like it. How did Jesus try to adapt himself to fit them? He didn't. (laughs) He didn't worry about that. Yeah, He didn't try to fit conventional expectations. He didn't try to give in to whatever preconceived ideas they had. He did his thing. And, you know, the news of the kingdom is always upsetting to some people. No matter how Jesus would have packaged it, if he preaches the truth, some people won't like it. Isn't that always the case? Has there ever been a time when everybody just loved the message of the gospel and those who preached it? So I don't think Jesus did anything to try to adapt himself to, to make them happier with what he said. Uh, and I don't think, you know, we ought to either. Uh, so wisdom is vindicated by all her children. You know, wisdom's children respond to Jesus and the message of the gospel because he preached the wisdom of God. Thoughts and comments?
2: Would it have been unusual for children to be sitting in the marketplace?
0: I don't know. Probably not. I,
2: I, mean, it's all, uh, I, I mean, I can think of like the elders sitting in the gates and things like that, and that makes sense, but I just see kids sitting in the... The open air market, just
0: sort of like untended and. and yeah. But, but isn't that the way children are? <laughs> I
2: don't know. I yeah. have dogs, not kids. I don't know these things. Yeah.
0: Most parents don't tend their kids much. <laughs> yeah. they can Look around. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I can imagine this in Brazil. You know, I can imagine kids playing around the open street fairs and things like that. Sometimes they do. Uh so. I mean this doesn't have to be three year olds, it's could be ten year olds, you know. Mm-hmm. Anything else on this section? Well, Jesus and women. That's what I entitled the next section. I don't know if that's this the best title. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So uh we got we got two uh, stories about his relationship with women here. So, uh, 36 to 50, first of all.
1: Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace.
0: Well, first of all, there is a similar story (laughs) about uh, Jesus being anointed in Simon's house in Matthew 26, Mark, Mark 14, and John 12. So, a lot of people think this is the same story as that one. You don't. I don't. Even though this one's only in Luke, and the other three Gospels have the other one, I don't think it's the same story.
1: Is this the only one in Luke?
2: Like it this is
0: different. the only one in Luke. Okay. And it's in Simon's house, and it's uh, a woman anointing Jesus' feet. Well, what's the difference? Well, that I'm glad you asked. Do um, yeah. Do what?
2: Tears versus perfume. Well, there's perfume
0: here, There's too. perfume here, too. Um, the story in Matthew, Mark, and John was a week before Jesus' crucifixion. This could be that far out of order, but I doubt it. The story in Matthew, Mark, and John was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. No particular reason to think she was a notorious sinner. Um... And no reason to think that, you know, there's this, uh, you know, story about who, for, who he loved, you know, who was forgiven more. That was the story where Judas led the criticism of the woman for spending so much money on Jesus. So I think there's not enough similarities to make it the same story. The thing that, that's hard for us is anointing Jesus' feet with perfume. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it being in Simon's house. But do you realize how many Simons there are? There's at least... Well, think about it. How many Simons can you think of in the Gospels? Simon
2: Peter. Simon Peter. Simon,
0: Simon the Pharisee. Pharisee. Simon the Pharisee. Simon, Simon the sorcerer. sorcerer. That's not in the Gospels, but yeah. yeah that's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Who else? Simon how about...
2: Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene that
0: carried Jesus' cross. About Simon the Zealot, the other apostle that was named Simon. And there's some more right off hand. I'm not thinking Is of them. Is Simeon him,
2: but the same as Simon?
0: No. I don't think so. Well, actually, Simon Peter was called Simeon in Second Peter 1. So maybe. The in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, I think there are nine Simons in the New Testament. There's over 20 in Josephus. Yeah. Simon was one of their most popular names because Simon had been a big intertestamental hero in the Maccabean period. I mean, think about us. I go to a camp. Well, right now I'm planning this mini camp for next weekend. And there's probably going to be maybe maybe 50 people. I I got to put the last name on every Logan that's coming.
2: You know, it's like
0: good grief. It's all Loganized. And, uh, I've had camps. I remember the Alabama camp, where we had like 100 people. This has been several years ago. There were seven boys named Will or William. And every camp I go to, there's going to be a plethora of Calebs. You know? And we just, we do that. And so, I, the fact that Simon's, Simon's the same name, you'd almost guess it'd be Simon's name. You know? And, uh, as far as anointing the feet, remember the deal. It, it really seems weird when Jesus is at the table and some woman's anointing his feet, cause we're imagining her getting down underneath the table, you know, at his feet. That would be a little weird. But you remember, that's not how they did things. They, they laid out on like low couches, kind of resting their hand, head on their hand, so their feet were behind them. The first part of their body you'd come to was their feet. And, uh, You remember, in the some of you, some of you watched the Passion of the Christ. anybody watched that? There's a joke made in there about him making a table. You know, stupid joke, really. But but you know, they didn't have those kind of tables back then. You know, and and chairs that like we do. So uh, they kind of pick up on that and play with that. Um, So Jesus is at Simon the Pharisee's house dining.
1: One more thing. It yeah. says that the other Simon was a leper. Yes. And this guy doesn't strike me as a guy who would come to Jesus for healing from leprosy Good or something point.
0: like that. Good so. point. I hadn't thought about it that <laughs> way, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. So
2: there was a Simeon in the New Testament with
0: John the Bat. I think. Oh, yeah, you that's true. I hadn't thought about that. You're right.
2: That's what I was
0: thinking of. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I hadn't
2: wasn't
1: thinking about into, that. Anointing him would be... Wouldn't that be more of a response to him? But it's
0: not Mary Magdalene. Yeah, that's what everybody says, but it's really not provable that this is even Mary Magdalene. Okay. But, anyhow. Are point. you
1: saying
0: this one is Mary
1: Magdalene? No, no, the other one. The other one is Ma- Mary the...
0: Mary the sister, sister of Martha and Lazarus. Okay. Which is probably not the same as Mary Magdalene. A lot of people say this one's Mary Magdalene, because in the next section, Jesus cast out seven demons out of Mary Magdalene, and I don't know, people make a whole lot about a lot of stuff. So I don't know who this woman is, but... Uh, what was that? Oh, so Jesus accepted the invitation to dine with this Pharisee, which is kind of a motif in Luke. There's at least two other times when Jesus dines with Pharisees in the Gospel of Luke. You know, Jesus is deep with anybody, you know, even a Pharisee. Uh, so that's uh, interesting. So Jesus is laying down there at the table with his feet behind him, and the woman approaches him, and what does she start doing when she comes to his feet? Weeping. She starts crying. Well, of course, what does that do to his feet? Makes them wet. Makes them wet. So she got to dry them off. What does she use for a towel? Hair. Her hair. She let down her hair and wiped Jesus' feet dry. Now, I'm guessing that she's crying because... Of her sin? Of her sin and Jesus' mercy and grace. She's overwhelmed by the love Jesus shows to people like her, who are such terrible sinners. And I suspect she just spontaneously started crying. And then she felt like she had to wipe off her, his feet. And then she was doing what else with his feet? Kissing him. Yum. And uh, putting perfume on them. So she's uh, she's doing a lot with his feet. Do what? The Yeah. Well, maybe an agent form a pedicure. Um, and, you know, think about this. Why did Jesus let her do that? Why, maybe I should put it this way. Why did Jesus let her do that? Because she was... She
2: was a sinner. She was a notorious sinner, apparently.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you want to get involved with people like this? I mean, what kind of reputation does she have? <laughs> you know, I mean Wow, do you want a woman like this kissing your feet? <laughs> you know, I think we would have just felt like, ooh, no. Get away from me, woman. I'm not, I don't I don't let people like you touch me. I don't I don't want anything to do with you. Jesus wanted something to do with the lowest and most despicable form of humanity. And he reached out to them and he loved them, which is really amazing. I think about who Jesus was. And he was perfectly comfortable with this notoriously sinful woman kissing his feet and and reaching out to her and blessing her, in fact. Well, Simon, what's he thinking as he's seeing this uh, scene unfold in his house? He said, this, this guy must not be a prophet, because if he were, he would know
2: what... And he would go, ew, and, yeah.
0: For Simon, religion's all about good people, doing good things. He doesn't have any room for grace in his religion. So
2: why did he let her in?
0: Well, I'm assuming it's not like you open the door to let people in. It's kind of like open, open to the...
2: Your house? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Or at least this part of the house.
2: I was wondering if part of it would have been an open... Kind of a like patio an open or, or something. If you're yeah. a big dinner right.
0: Right. Exactly. That's what I'm assuming. Is you this? Just is...
2: don't go to somebody's house uninvited to have dinner.
0: Well, she didn't go to have dinner.
2: <laughs> yeah, but even
1: you don't show up even without that. Wouldn't that be odd? I was it, sure was. it was. a cultural difference too. Though.
0: Well, that seemed. I mean, I don't know that it was too normal. What's yeah. the time when he went in a house that was packed full of people. That's true. So he, was, he did have a he did draw a crowd. <laughs> That's right. a good so point. going with that. the crowd. I'll grant you that. Yeah. That
1: I can go for. Not that she's coming
0: uninvited like that. Well, I, I mean, I don't assume that Simon invited her. You know, maybe she's with a crowd, but I doubt that Simon would have invited the likes of her into his house. And he knows about her, and uh, you know. So, you know, clearly Jesus doesn't know who she is. He must not be a prophet. Of course, ironically, Jesus is because he not only knew about this woman, he also reads Simon's mind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if Jesus wouldn't have contact with sinners, what would he have been doing accepting the invitation to have supper with Simon? That doesn't seem to register with Simon. You know, oh. He must not be a prophet, or he wouldn't let a sinner do something like this with him. Would he eat at the home of a sinner? See, he doesn't see himself that way. And uh, so Jesus tells a little Nathan-like parable about two, a guy who, a moneylender, who had two people who owed uh, him money. One of them owed him a lot, and one of them owed him a little. One of them, you know, although I read this anymore, this might not be a good illustration, one of them owed him their mortgage and the other one their car loan. But for some people, a car loan may be more than the mortgage. <laughs> uh, but one of them owed him like two years wages and one of them owed him like two months wages. And he forgave both of them. Now, which one would love him more? The one who owed him more. Yeah, the one who got more forgiven. You know, the one who, who had the greater impact in their life. And Simon says, well, I suppose the one who forgave more. Jesus said, yep, you got that one right. And then he says, did you see this woman, Simon? You know, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she's wet them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she's been kissing me since the time she came in. You didn't anoint my head. She's anointed my feet. You know, the woman who crashed the party has been more of a host to Jesus than Simon was. He doesn't say she did what you didn't do. but She does more than what he didn't do. She goes beyond. You know, this Simon was a rather rude host. And, you know, this woman not only does the typical courtesies, but goes way beyond that. She loved much. But why did she love so much?
2: She's been forgiven so much.
0: She realized the immense, the enormous value of the forgiveness she was given. She treasured this grace. It was overwhelming to her. She appreciated it so much. We need to love God more. Obviously, that's the first commandment. What's it going to take for us to love God more? Yeah. Well, Seeing him. how much we've been forgiven, the more we see that we've been forgiven, the more we're going to love Him. Right? Do you think that's the that's the lesson here? Um, and the self righteous person, the self sufficient person, won't love God very much. But the person who sees how bad their sin is, and it's really not, it's like, well, everybody's sin is a totally unpayable debt. Not everybody sees it that way. You know, so it's really how you see your sin, how you see how bad you are and how overwhelming God's grace is. That's what will help us love him more. That's what we need to get out of this. Thoughts and comments? She hadn't been forgiven yet. Well, I think she knew she would be or that Jesus was forgiving Jesus and that he did love her. I think she's moved by the forgiveness that she is in the process of receiving. He says, your sins have been forgiven, but he doesn't say, I'm forgiving your sins right now. You know, your sins have been forgiven. He's reassuring her of that. I think she understood that, but he's, he's giving that further, you know, reassurance to her of that.
2: It's kind of interesting, if if Jesus was being literal, that Simon or his servant had not even washed his feet, that makes what happens with the woman even more kind of...
0: He's kissing his dirty feet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it,
2: these weren't nice, clean feet that had been properly washed, and so, you know, the, the tears were not really effective in cleaning, so to speak. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, wiping
0: him with her hair probably got her hair muddy. <laughs> yeah, you
2: know, yeah, and wiping him with your hair too is sort of on the other end a little odd.
0: Well, she didn't have a towel.
1: Yeah, but most people wouldn't want somebody wiping them with their hair.
0: Mm-hmm. What else? Is it, what's she going to use?
1: Yeah.
0: Her skirt. Yeah, her
2: skirt. She's wearing pants. It's <laughs> 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 just a little. Odd. Yes,
0: I mean, it was striking, but it, I think it was very heartfelt. I think I suspect she was embarrassed when she started kissing Jesus or started crying and wetting Jesus' feet and started turning a little muddy. Yes, oh, she she's know got a, to do. yeah, and so she, yeah. you know, there's her hair, you know. <laughs> Try you, do, you know you could try this you know how does how does uh, hair do on drying uh, wet feet? <laughs> next
1: time Calvin takes a bath, I'll try to. Yeah. My hair. I bet I bet hair
0: would absorb some water. I don't know. Timothy's probably wouldn't absorb a whole lot. <laughs> you know, some of you women might.
2: So it'd have to be fairly long, but it would have been at that
0: time, right? So probably may very well have been quite long. Well, anything else about this unusual woman story?
2: Whenever
1: I think about passages like this that talk about, you know, your response to how much you've been forgiven, I usually think of it, or feel like you're supposed to think of it in terms of all the things you did wrong before you came to Christ, but it's even more powerful to me when I think about how I'm still not good, and, I mean, I still need it just as much now, and, I don't
0: know, that means a lot more. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, (laughs) if we think, oh, I was bad back then, but now I've been perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had to forgive me a lot then but i've been I've been really earnest some writing points now, but when we understand our, how far short we fall even now and God is still merciful and gracious, it ought to really make us love him more I mean wow, it's just amazing. he has no reason why he has to do this. He just chooses to really care about us all right, chapter eight verses one to three.